Well, our guest tonight is Omar Uresti. He is a former All-American from the University of Texas. He's had 377 starts on the PGA Tour, and he has earned his career earnings $3.87 million. Whew, that's a good amount of money. Hopefully, he didn't blow it all on black in Vegas. Now, he's coming off two huge tournaments. Uh, most recently, the Senior PGA Tournament in Southern Hills at Southern Hills Golf Course in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And prior to that, the 2021 PGA Championship at Kiowa Island. Welcome to the show, Omar. Thanks for being on tonight. Andy, thanks for having me on. All right, dude, let's get right into it. So how did you get into this crazy game of golf? Um, the earliest thing I remember is about four years old. My dad used to play a little bit. Uh, he cut down a seven iron for me and used to take me out with him. And I just kind of, I remember playing Butler Pitch and Putt here in Austin and Lions Municipal as well. Um, and just kind of, you know, fell in love with the game. And then when, I guess we had about an acre and a half yard and I would, uh, I dug a hole on one side of the yard and put a coffee can in it. And that was my cup and I would play to that. And then after a little bit, I got smart and put one at the other end and just went back and forth. And then we happened to join Onion Creek Club a couple of years later when I was six. And then we moved out to Onion Creek when I was seven. And it kind of was off from there. I just fell in love with the game and, you know, had some a couple of my best friends. Uh, Todd Harbor, who's the general manager at Royal Oaks now up in Dallas. Uh, he and I would get out there almost every day. And during the summer, we'd play 36, 45, you know, 50-something holes sometimes. Now, playing that many holes, uh, was it uh, was it some good golf or was it just kind of uh, shaping shots, just, you know, playing little dollar skins? What was it? Well, I mean, at that young, yeah, we, we didn't really play for much, but we did, you know, we just, we wanted to go out there and just have a good time and we just loved playing the game and, you know, yeah, sometimes we did hit different, try to hit different shots and stuff, but, you know, we were kids, so we were in the trees having to make shots happen, so it was... Uh, it was a lot of fun, and it was just, uh, you know, very – we were competitive, even though, you know, we were best friends. We we loved to, you know, beat on each other. Now, why is that always the story? Why is that always the story that you have uh, your dad, your grandpa, your uncle always cutting down that one club, that one old club, a, a Chichi Rodriguez, a Ben Hogan, a Spalding club? Because that's really what happened with me. And my uncle cut down a – I think it was like an old an old utility wedge or something, and – you know, he regripped it for me. Just that that's how I got in the game as well. Well, you know, especially back then, they really didn't make too many clubs for kids. Um, the first junior set I remember having was the uh, Ben Hogan Little Bens, or I believe. And uh, I played those when I started playing some little city junior tournaments here in Austin. And, you know, and then went to the uh, Little Bens, or they might have been Little Bens, then I went to the Junior Bens. And then next thing I knew, I was playing with my dad's or my I think it was a lady's set of power belts that I had when I was like 12 or 13. And then my dad gave me his power belts. <laughs> and then finally, when I was 14, he bought me my first men's set and it was a uh, golden Ram tour grinds. And I played, I played golden Ram tour grind model, that model head for 20 years. Yeah. So I went through quite a few sets. I probably went through 10 or 12 sets in those 20 years. Now I saw from Ben Kearns, uh, what's in your bag. I saw you playing some Titleist. Yes. Are you still playing Titleist right now? Everything in the bag is Titleist. Um, I think at the time he did that, I might have been using the Ping driver, but uh, I went. Uh, Titleist came out with their new one, and uh, I really like it. I'm hitting it, you know, hitting it really good. So it's it's been good to me. 
now. Uh, do you have a deal with Titleist or is it that just kind of through some of your connections that you're using that those clubs that you truly believe in them or what? Um, well, when I was playing out there full time on tour, I was, you know, had a ball shoe glove uh, contract with them. They still uh, provide me with a few of the, you know, a few of the items with you know, a few balls and gloves and, and golf shoes here and there. Um, and I just, I'm just such a loyal guy that I, I like the clubs. Otherwise I wouldn't be playing them, but, uh, you know, I'm just a, uh, I'm a Titleist guy through and through pretty much. Yeah. I'm a Mizuno guy. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it's just, uh, I, somebody told me that there's nothing like Japanese steel. And so yeah, uh, yeah, they make some good stuff. Mizuno. I actually have a set of their old MP 11s in my closet that have never been hit. I think they've been, I've hit, I might've hit them a couple of times, like two or three balls with each club. Um, but I never put them in play, but they felt really good. But you know, they're just sitting in my closet. Dang. I wish I had that, you know, cause anything in my closet, it's uh, probably like an offer up or on Facebook market, you know, anything like that <laughs> is going for sale. Now tell me a little bit about your all American college career at the university of Texas. Now being from here, I'm originally from Corpus Christi, but I live in San Antonio now. So I'm very familiar with the University of UT because for the longest time, UTSA didn't have a football team. So our closest team was, you know, hey, up 35, you know, was was Austin, was UT. Right. And so I, I still like to think, you know, there's a little part of me that still is, a, you know, secretly rooting for the Longhorns all these years. But tell me, uh, what were some of the things and some of the stories maybe that went on during your time in Austin? Well, um, being that I, you know, born and raised here, I was kind of a longhorn my whole life. My dad went there for a couple of years. Uh, my oldest brother, Rusty, who now caddies for Jeff Maggard on the Champions Tour, and caddied for me when I first got started. Um, he played baseball there in 81 and 82, catching Roger Clemens and Calvin Chiraldi. Um, and then I just, you know, be, I was always a longhorn. I was recruited by Houston and by Texas A&M, but just didn't ever see myself going there. Uh, even in Houston, uh, Coach Williams from there even offered me a full scholarship without ever having seen me play. And I just, uh, my dad got on the phone and he's like, Coach, uh, can I ask you a question? He's like, how many of your players have graduated? And Coach is like, oh, I don't know, but I can tell you how many have made a million dollars on the PGA Tour. And my dad was like, I'm sorry, he won't be coming to Houston. <laughs> But, uh, you know, when I first, my first couple of years uh, at Texas playing on the golf team, I was there with uh, Bob Estes. And he, you know, he's still playing today competitive, competitively on the Champions Tour and on the PGA Tour. Um, and then my senior year was Justin Leonard and Harrison Fraser's freshman year. So, so I had some good players on the team. And oddly enough, though, our best finish was without any of those guys. Um, we came together a little bit more as a team, I guess, when they weren't around and we all kind of put in, we finished second one year and that was, you know, that was a great feeling. Now it was a little bit different, obviously now with uh, the different type of setup that the NCAA has now, did you like it better? I guess, cause back then it was continually stroke play, right. As opposed right. to it being match play. Yeah. You know, for me, I think uh, I, I did like, the four days of stroke play um, as a team. But I think the match play adds a little bit more excitement, a few more days of golf for the fans to watch. 
And, you know, it's just the only problem with that is it puts so much pressure just on, you know, one person that, that when it comes down to that one match, it's just putting so much pressure on the young, the young person. And, you know, that could be devastating or it could drive them to do better. You just never know. It depends on the, on the person who it's affecting. Now, during your time playing so much on the mini tours, uh, what is now the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA, were there any events that were match play based that you were a part of? Uh, not on any of those tours, no. Um, gosh, went a long time without playing match play. You know, the closest thing I came to match play, I guess, was uh, in 1994, I went into a playoff uh, for the Nike Shreveport Open. And, you know, it was a six-hole playoffs, you know, so that was – before before I finally won, but uh, never really any match play until, you know, I played a couple of amateur tournaments up in, uh, well, I guess it was the, the U.S. Amateur, and the other one was the Western o uh, Amateur up in, uh, it was at Point of Woods um, outside of, uh, I don't remember where it was now, but um, those were match play events, you know, but no college tournaments, no pro tournaments until, Gosh, I went a long time without playing anything match play, to tell you the truth. No, nothing that dealt with the tour. Now, in watching, uh, that's one thing I really love to do when I get home. I, I love how the Golf Channel has, the, especially right now, because they just finished with the women's last week. And then this past, last night, or yesterday, they finished with Pepperdine winning the 2021 National College Championship for the men. And I just, I love watching these guys. I love how they break down their process. I love how some are by themselves or some have their coach and assistant coach and then they don't have it. And I like how they kind of go through the process. Now yeah. it's funny. You were talking about uh, the Shreveport open and I got a little mm -hmm. clip right here. Omar Uresti was the one to follow come Sunday at the Nike Shreveport open. Omar was definitely in the ozone Saturday. He set a Nike tour record with nine consecutive birdies in route to a nine under par 63. The University of Texas grad went into Sunday with a four-shot edge. That cushion, however, soon deflated, and he found himself testing his nerves in a playoff with Pat Bates. Bates kept the pressure on Omar for five holes, but soon found himself in a battle with his wedge. With support from his brother, Caddy Rusty, the old man pulled through on the sixth extra hole to capture his first Nike Tour victory. Now, what do you think about that? <laughs> that bring back some <laughs> memories. That is some some good memories. Um, I was just talking with somebody the other day about it. Actually, who uh, actually it was yesterday. I was at the uh, U.S. Senior Open qualifier over at the Woodlands at the Gary Player Course, and a gentleman hitting balls next to me, um, and it just says hi to me. And he's like, "I'm so and so." He's like, "I was part of your greatest." you know, probably your greatest tournament or tournament round ever and this and that. And he's like, what's your two greatest and your greatest round? And I was like, well, that has to be my nine in a row in Shreveport. And he's like, yep. He's like, I played with you in the pro-am and then I watched you make your nine in a row. So I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. <laughs> I mean, it just, it brought back some good memories there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, to I was such a zone. My, that was my brother that you saw giving me the hug. He was caddying for me. Other than Q school, that was his first tournament that he caddied for me. 
and we were able to to do that and uh just it was such a unbelievable feeling talking about being in the zone now tell me i i've i've listened to several many great players and and my profession is i'm a teacher and a coach and so i've been doing this for 15 years and so i always try to steal uh you know i try to steal bits and pieces from some of the greatest athletes and from some of the best people that have done it in the game and is it is it like the cup is it is it huge or is that swing just good? Does everything slow down? What is the process being like of being in that zone? You know, with me, it was kind of funny. I, I, uh, I was kind of oblivious to things going on around me. All I, you know, all I saw was my target and and the hole and my my line when I was, you know, reading my putts and being able to hit it on that line and just happened to be, you know, just dead on that that day and at least for those nine in a row, I actually missed three easy birdie putts the first three holes, not easy, but three birdie putts under 12 feet the first three holes before I got going. Um, and then, you know, I started going and just, it was unbelievable. I hit a, I know on nine and 10, both those holes, I hit uh, five irons to within three feet. And then the next hole I hit a wedge to within a foot. Um, and then the la my last birdie, I hit a nine iron to about 18 feet and I was just trying to get it close, you know, get it up there close to the hole and I made it. So it was just, it was like, Oh my gosh, you know, that's nine in a row. And, but as I was going through it, I got to the fifth birdie in a row and I thought to myself, Whoa, that's, I just tied my career best, my personal best. And I was like, no, shake it out of your head, focus on the next shot, one shot at a time. And I was able to do that. And then I, I made six. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's my personal best. You know, and it, it, but I kept shaking it out of my head and just get being able to get focused on the next shot. And it, uh, it worked for nine holes in a row. Now, what happened on that 10th hole? Um, actually it was a long par three. Um, I believe I hit a five wood, the old Taylor made railer, uh, on the fringe. And I was about only about 18, 15, 18 feet from the hole. And I chipped it up to about a foot and tapped it in for par. And then I birdied the next hole and then bogeyed the 15th hole. So, yeah. so going into going into six extra holes, what were the roller coaster swings like? Oh, man, I, you know, it was kind of disappointing. I, uh, I bogeyed my last two holes of regulation. And so then I had to go into a playoff and I'm playing against Pat Bates and he hit it about 20, at least 30 yards farther than I did. And three of the six holes that we played were par fives. So we went back to number 18. Um, I'm trying to think if that's the hole we started on. Yeah, I think we started on 18 or we started on one actually. And, uh, we both, I can't remember if we both made birdie and then we made a couple of pars. And then on 18, I had to go for it in two cause he hit it on the green about 15 feet from the hole putting for Eagle. And I, so I ended up, uh, I had hit it just left and short of the green. And I hit a terrible pitch shot. It just came out kind of hot and it went by about 12 feet. He missed his birdie putt or his eagle putt, ran it up there a couple of feet from the hole. And so here I am with a 12 footer downhill and I made it. Um, and uh, to tie the hole and then the next hole was a par five. And he actually, it was a little dog leg right. And he hit it, a, he hit a really good drive. He just pulled it just a little bit and it went into a fairway bunker through the, through the fairway. And I hit it down the middle and then I hit three wood on. He had to lay up and then he missed the green left. 
Um, and then he chipped it on to about four feet or whatever. And I rolled my putt up there to a foot and then tapped it in. And that was it. So it was, it was, uh, it was taught. That was a roller coaster there too. You know, just up and down <laughs> having to grind on some putts. What's your best story from what's your best story for maybe during those uh, mini tour times and, you know, which is now the corn Ferry tour. I know at that time it was the Nike tour. What can you tell yeah. me is maybe one of the, your best stories and not just the win per se. Well, um, back in the day when we were, you know, I was just getting started, you know, not a whole lot of money to, to back us up with. And, uh, we actually traveled in a group, um, and it was myself uh, Perry Moss, sometimes a guy named Scott DeSerrano, Jim Furyk, um, and then maybe Scott DeSerrano's brother would caddy for him, you know, but we'd sometimes fit four or five of us in a hotel room and, you know, low score would get the, uh, the low scores would get the bed, um, you know, and, you know, so that sometimes we even slept two per bed, you know, we'd have queen size, we'd put pillows in between and kept us separated, but we would, you know, we'd squeeze five, six guys into a room to save money. Um, and oh, so there was Furyk no was, uh, there was no spooning. Yeah, no spooning. <laughs> no. no, no. But uh, Jim Furyk was one of those guys, and uh, you know, I just we we traveled a lot together that year, and you know, we were became really good buddies. Who would you say is your best friend from from tour that the PGA tour? Um, you know, I got there's a couple of them. I think my first. My first stretch of years on tour in the in the late mid late nineties, I hung out a lot with uh, early on, especially was uh, hung out a lot with uh, Woody Austin and Frank Licklider. Um and then Woody won, won as a rookie, so that he kind of got on a different schedule and we didn't hang out quite as much. Um, and then Frank and I, you know, we still played quite a bit together, practice rounds and stuff like that, and would hang out and. Um, I was actually with him uh, when he met his his wife, so <laughs> which was kind of funny. But uh, and then later on in the uh, early two thousands and through the early two thousand teens, uh, Gavin Coles uh, became he had just won a tournament over in Australia. He didn't even have status on our tour. He's from Australia, and we had a tournament down there. So they had half the field was Australian tour players, and the other half was American. From the from the Nike tour and or nationwide tour, I think it was or WebDot at that time, and so he wins the tournament down there, comes back, and the, his first tournament in the states is Lafayette, and I hadn't met him, and he's out on the range early one day, and I get out there early, and yeah, I just walked up, and I said, hey, uh, it's like Omar, you're rusty. I just want to congratulate you on your win last week. Welcome to the Nike or welcome to the tour, and you know, he's after that, we just became buddies and we played practice rounds together and went out to eat dinner and hung out a lot. And, uh, you know, we still talk, uh, every so often now he's not playing anymore. He teaches out of down in Orlando, but, uh, just, yeah, he's, and then, uh, also the fellow Austinite uh, finally got out there on tour in, the, in his early forties was West short. Um, and so he and, you know, all three of us would get out there and play and, and hang out together a lot. Now, what would you say is your favorite course there in the Austin area? Um, here in Austin, I mean, I love Onion Creek. It's where I grew up. I've been out here, oh, I'm 52, so I've been out here 42 years. 42 of my 52 years I've lived here, but 
I mean, we joined when I was six, so 46 years of, of golf out here at this club. And, uh, but in the Austin area, I mean, there's, there's some good ones nowadays. Um, you know, Lions Municipal was, Municipal was the great, fun municipal course that, you know, was like we like to play. I, I really like Horseshoe Bay Ramrock. It's a really good test of golf. And always, I always like to go out there. I don't make it out there that much anymore because now the drive seems to take a lot longer with all the people that live here. Just so much traffic. You know, the Hills of Lakeway has always been fun to play. Has had the, Bar the Barton Creek courses and UT Golf Club. You know, and I'll, I'll go out to UT when I'm trying to get ready for a tournament and get some good practice in out there and get my game a test. But, uh, yeah, so that that's here, you know, here in the Austin area. That's, you know, those are the ones um, that I like, uh, I, you know, probably the most to play. Now, favorite course here and around the San Antonio area? Unfortunately, it's not there anymore is, uh, you know, Pecan Valley. Uh, that was such a great course, had such great history. Um, just, you know, it's just such a shame that uh, it is, it's gone. Um, there are some other, you know, Oak Hills is another one of my favorites down there. I like, I really liked playing there. I actually, my very first PGA Tour event was there. I Monday qualified in 1991. And uh, got to play there. Um, also did a U.S. Amateur qualifier there one year, and um, played nine or eighteen holes there, and then eighteen holes at what used to be uh, well, I think it's now Sonterra South. Um, but uh, and I think I was low qualifier in the country that year. I, I was eleven under for the two rounds, um, and uh, it was just like wow, um, you know. But those are. Oak Hill is probably the favorite one that's still around, but even though I haven't gotten down there to play it in a while. Yeah, I, I've been asking a lot of people. I, I was name dropping a name dropping you to several of the STPA members around here, and they're like, "Oh, well, we haven't seen Omar in a long time." So, hey, you got to make your way down to an event here in San Antonio sometime soon. Yeah, yeah. You know, I used to I used to play the San Antonio Open a long time ago, but uh, yeah, that the the just my schedule got busy and who knows, maybe I might try to play it again here soon. It's just, you know, playing against these young kids now, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of tough. They hit it too far. And that Cedar Creek's got a couple of goofy holes that don't set up good for me. <laughs> it is. It's, it's a little tricky, you know, especially being in those uh, valleys and those canyons and around those mountains, but uh, it'd be, it'd be nice, you know, and it, it seems like uh, you can still, you can still whoop up on those youngsters with your, uh, 2021 uh, PGA professional championship win. Yeah, there's a few of them. I, I guess I can still, you know, that, I think most of that's experience though. You know, once they get the experience, they'll, uh, they'll, they're going to come around obviously. And uh, I, I, I think that's what helped me get through it this year um, was just my experience. Yeah. Because it seems like if I'm not mistaken from what I was looking at your scores, you shot pretty well the first few days and then you had some little uh, roller coasters on that last round. Yeah, that you know, the last day it was funny because the win each day kind of switched like a quarter, you know, like forty-five degrees each day. So the first day it was actually started out of the southwest, and as the day went on, it switched all the way to the north. And then the second day kind of came out of the northeast. The third day was a little more out of the, out of the east, and then the last day was the I think the toughest win to play in, especially at the, the first three or four holes because it was out of the southeast. And the, the first three holes were, you know, kind of long and into the wind. And there was a little bit left to right wind. So it made those first few holes play really difficult. And then, 
you know, after that kind of got downwind and I, I got in my groove and started playing good golf again. But uh, yeah, the first, I was four over after four holes and um, I know my lead shrunk quite a bit. And by the end of 12 holes, I think I was only down to a two stroke lead and, but I was able to make a couple of birdies on the par fives at key times and uh, to get my lead back up where I was able to relax a little bit coming in, but never totally relaxed because there's, you know, 18's got water on it. And I just, uh, I knew I needed to just make a par bogey and that's all I tried to do. Now, what was that feeling like hosting that trophy up? Knowing <laughs> that, knowing that if I'm not mistaken in 2017, you had, you had won this tournament prior to this uh, 2021, but being on top of the mountain for uh, the PGA professionals once again. Yeah, it was a great feeling, um, you know, to be able to, like I said, to hold on and just to be able to have the round that I did on, on the third day. And that was another one of those days where I was kind of in that zone. Um, I hit a few shots astray, but I was able to, to make some good recoveries and make some really good up and downs. My, my putter was on that day and, um, you know, just is, it's a great feeling, you know, to win, to win anything is, is a great feeling. And I was just happy to be able to hold on and come out on top. Now, with, with that win and then being uh, one of the top 20 PGA professionals, they get that automatic berth to the PGA Championship, which was held this past year in – or this year in Kiowa Island in South Carolina. Now, what are some of the big differences as coming from playing with PGA professionals like yourself and some other teaching professionals like Greg Hiller, Ben Kern? What is the big difference between those guys and, say, like uh, – maybe have like a boo weekly, maybe you have like Abraham answer, or you have, you know, these, these professionals, these top tier professionals, and maybe even some uh, middle of the road guys as well. Um, you know, there's not, there's not a whole lot of, of difference really. It's just, a, you know, a shot here or there that uh, you, you know, you try not uh, that might a big miss that might, you know, cause you to make a double or a triple at a certain time. Um, you know, putt here or there that just they don't want to go in and stuff like that. I mean, and I think probably the biggest part is just mentally as well. I mean, ben Kern's got the game to be out there, and you know, Hiller's a great player as well. Um, if Ben hits it far enough, he you know, but uh, I know he loves what he does. I don't know, you know, he's got a, a young family, and I don't know if he would like to uh travel too much and, and be away from that. Uh, I know he's he loves what he does, so. You know, but he's he's a great competitor, and he doesn't like to play bad. He doesn't like to lose. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I I had him on the show, and I asked him. I said, uh, now that you know he's made friends with uh, with you, you know, Rich Beam, uh, guys that guys that are you know around the senior PG that that play in the senior events and play in the STPA events. Um, I said, does him by him being the 2018 top finisher, did that give any bragging rights? You know, so uh, do y'all guys have any of those bragging rights amongst yourselves? You know, we don't. We uh, he and I don't, at least. Uh, uh, you know, I because I, I was uh, I was low pro the year before. He was low pro that year. So in 2018, which was, I mean, it wasn't a really incredible feat. He played a lot better than I did when I was low pro. I, I finished like 70 something and he was, you know, in the forties. So like 42nd or third or something like that. And just, he played a heck of a lot better The you know, the course, um, definitely suit was, uh, kind of favorable for him. You know, it was kind of a long course. He hits it kind of long and he was hitting it really good that week. And, you know, he was able to make some butts. So 
just more power to him for that. Just, you know, and he's such a great guy. I was so happy to see that he played well, just like the two guys uh, this year, uh, Ben Cook and uh, I don't remember the other gentleman's name, but uh, I think it's uh, Malik they, or something. Malik, or yeah, he, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they played uh, some great golf to make the cut at Kiowa. That was just super, super impressive uh, with the feat that they did there, just in those conditions and, uh, you know, uh, to play as well as they did to make the cut. And, and I know Ben had a chance to, to play really well and, and had a tough one uh, day, maybe Saturday, but I think he brought it back on Sunday and, you know, finished fairly strong. So just more power to them for being able to, to play as well as they did. Now, how tough was that course? And uh, you, being, you being a Texas guy, being close to me in age, uh, obviously you got – Oh, heck of a heck of a better golf game than I do, and a good majority of my buddies. Uh, what would you say uh, the toughness of that course really was? Well, let's see. You know, first of all, if you go play it, do not play the tips because it is way too long. Um, I think the length is the biggest thing. I think we played it between seventy-five and seventy-six hundred yards each of the first two days, and the problem there is. Most of the greens are built up, you know, they're kind of turtle backs. If you, you know, if you miss the green, you got a really tough pitch shot, you know, where you got to either hit a bump and run or be real, really creative somehow. Um, you know, so that makes it tough. But the other tough thing is you have, depending on which way the wind's blowing, if it's blowing, I guess, out of the east, it's nine holes are into the wind and nine holes are downwind. If it's out of the east or west, if it's out of the north or south, then I think the course plays a little bit easier because there's the holes don't play as long. Um, I know the first day I got out there and my first, what, 10, 11, and 12, and 13 were kind of downwind. And then I had to play 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 1, 2, 3, 4 into the wind. And not only were they into the wind, but they were into and a little left to right, which I hit a little bit of a fade. So it really killed was killing my shot. You know, I wasn't able to get any you know good distance out of it, and plus I wasn't swinging at it great anyway. But uh, it really played hard for me. And then holes like five, six, seven, eight, and nine were back downwind the first two days, and I played those holes a little bit better. Um, but the way that wind was blowing set up really good for Phil. And being a lefty that he is, he was hitting a draw into that wind. And, it, you know, so I think it favored him and he, he was just, you know, he got on it at the right time and just, he played some great golf to be able to come on top and show them that the old guys can still do it. Uh, you're just two years, you're just two years older than him. Yeah. Yeah. But he's also, he's, he's about six inches taller and <laughs> got a little bit more weight on me. You know, and he's got a lot longer swing. So, he, you know, he's got a lot more power than I do. He probably hits it 50 yards by me at least. Um, and that's the thing, you know, it's, it's growing up with, uh, I've never really adapted to technology. I've always been a more of a finesse player. And lately I've been trying to maybe pick up a little bit of yardage, but my accuracy, I've lost a lot of my accuracy because of that. So I got to find something in between where I can straighten it out a little bit and, and still get it out there. Now, who would you say is one of uh, one of the up and coming young guys that you see that's going to make a real good name or make some noise on the tour? Oh gosh, <laughs> you know, honestly, I haven't. 
you know, obviously there's Jordan. He's still young. Um, but I don't, I don't watch too many tournaments anymore. Um, if, if Jordan's up there, I'll try to watch, um, you know, there's some kid, there's some young guys that are exciting that, uh, in their thirties, you know, that I, I grew up, well, I, that I played against it towards the end of my career out there, you know, David Hearn played some good golf. Um, and, uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, Honestly, to give you any names of any of the young players right now, it would be hard for me to to give you you know give you anything. You know, Scotty Scheffler, what a great young player from UT there, and um, you know, uh, Dylan Fratelli also from UT. They got a bunch of talent. Um, there's you know so many of those guys. Uh, there's just so many out there. I think it's going to be hard for many of them or any of them to dominate kind of like tiger did and like you know rory did when he first got out even he's struggling now and you know it just it seems like uh it's a, it's a little more up and down not as consistent as it used to be back in in the 90s and 80s you had a lot more guys that were a lot more consistent with their games uh back then or who would you say would be maybe one of the guys around your age like a uh, Stuart sink who would you see maybe uh, one of these older guys that still got a little run in him to make a little run like Phil. Um, yeah, Stewart hits it plenty long enough. Um, then you got, um, oh my gosh, just went blank on his name. And, you know, Jim Furyk, uh, you know, so Steve Stricker. I mean, he's, he's almost my age and he's, uh, you know, playing really well on both tours. He had a, you know, he's had a great year on the PGA tour this year for, for being 50, whatever he is. And, uh, 50, he might be my age, 52 or 50. He might be even a little older than me, but, uh, you know, they, he's been showing a lot of uh, grit out there on the PGA tour as well as the champions tour. And so, you know, it's, it's really hard to say. Um, and then Kuchar, Matt Kuchar still has got some game. I played with him the other day and, uh, you know, so he can in the practice round at, uh, I guess it was a Kiowa and uh, yeah, so he's, he's got some game to be able to do some stuff still. Now. All right, let's get into some fun stuff. Uh, favorite golf movie here. Uh, favorite golf movie. Well, there's a couple of them, uh, obviously Caddyshack, but uh, the one that you cannot find on DVD anywhere is dead solid. Perfect. Um, dead solid perfect. Yes. It was a 1988. I just watched it the other day. I found it on YouTube. Somebody had uh, downloaded a copy from a VHS tape onto YouTube, and it's got uh, Randy Quaid in it. Okay, uh, okay. And, and it's a really good golf movie. You know, it's a more realistic. It's, uh, you know, got some comedy in it, but it's also uh, just got a little bit more of what it's like. Uh, it was a Dan Jenkins book. Um, and, uh, you know, they turned it into a movie and the movie was, you know, it was pretty good. It's got some funny lines in it, uh, but Scott's also got some, uh, pretty good, you know, Randy Quay's got a pretty good swing. So, you know, it was, it was kind of fun to watch as well. You stumped me right there because, you know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen so many, I've seen so many like off golf movies and I'm like this, uh, my mind's yeah. blank. And so th there, there's a range, there's a range here in town and it's actually called dead solid. Perfect. And yeah. so I'm sure that's where that's where the whole that's where the whole uh, DSP came from. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it did, and uh, it's it's funny because most of it takes place in Texas. 
um, except when they go play some of the bigger tournaments and stuff. But uh, it's it's kind of funny because he's I think he's from the Fort Worth area, you know, with his wife in the in the movie, and you know he's a young he's a struggling tour pro, and he ends up getting this rich uh, gentleman decides to back him. And, uh, you know, he's probably not the most politically correct guy, but uh, it was 1988. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, one of your best uh, memories from golf. Doesn't My have to be on tour. Um, well, there's a, I got a few of them. You know, obviously one of them's that nine in a row I made in Shreveport. Uh, another one is my first hole-in-one at the age of eight um, out here at Onion Creek on the sixth hole. Um, gosh, I got a few of them. Um, how many hole in ones have you had? I've had nine. Yeah. Uh, but I can haven't had just, one. I haven't can you give one me one? Almost, what's that? Yeah. Can you <laughs> give me one? Yeah. I haven't had one in 15 years, <laughs> but you had one at eight. You had one yeah, at I eight. Had one, yeah. I had one at eight and one at 14 and one at 21. Uh, then they started, then I had three in, in a year and a half span um, in 2005, 2006. But uh, yeah, I haven't made one, I don't think, since 2006. That might have been the last one. A favorite, um, let's see right here. Uh, well, favorite club. Tell me. My, uh, Give me. One more great story was the 1997 Phoenix Open playing with Tiger Woods um, on that Saturday. Uh, when he made his hole in one, I was playing with him that day. And the night before my brother's like, bro, he was caddying for me. He's like, bro, he's like, don't watch him swing. It's going to get you out of your rhythm if you do. So every time that he would uh, stand up to a shot, I would turn my back and just kind of cross my arms and look at the ground and listen. He'd hit and I'd start walking. I'd find the ball in the air. And of course we get to like the second hole. I hit a really good drive. He hits a two iron a yard past me. And then the third or fourth hole, I think, is a par five. And I hit driver four iron, 85-yard sandwich. He hits driver four iron on the green. <laughs> and then uh, and we both made birdie. Um, so we get to number 16. I actually, I, th I think I birdied 15 and he parred it. So I had the tee on 16. And... I hit first, hit it in there about two and a half feet, just a little right and past the hole. And I made the mistake of thinking to myself, let's see you hit it closer than that. Turn <laughs> my back. Yeah. I turned my back. I listened to him hit. I started walking. I took about 10 steps and I looked up and I saw the ball go bounce, bounce in. And I just kind of stopped and shook my head and thought only tiger turned around, proceeded to go back and whiff the first high five because I was like right here. My brother's like, bro, be careful. And I kind of, sh I short armed it because uh, I didn't want to, didn't, because he was swinging so hard. I didn't want to get hurt. Um, That's smart of you. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and then he birdied 18 to, uh, on 18, I hit driver five iron in there about 20 feet and he hit driver wedge to about eight feet and uh, he made his putt. I missed mine, but uh, he ended up beating me by one shot that day. He shot 67. I shot 68. So, and he raised the roof. He raised the roof. And he raised after the he roof. Yep. And then, uh, you know, and we were, uh, I guess, kind of immortalized because they did a Lego. Uh, they Legoized us. 
That was that was cool. Yeah, I saw you. That was so that was you. So that was you. So so that was you on the tee box, right? <laughs> yep. All right. Craziest golf story. Craziest golf story. Oh. Hmm. It's playing. Uh, oh my goodness. I don't know. Oh, not again. Oh, okay. You good? Uh, yeah. All right. Um. Man, there's so many of them. I just remember one time playing in uh, Virginia Beach and it must have been the web.com there in the early 2000s. And I hit it left in some trees and I was trying to punch it through and behind me is a hazard. In front of me, there's a tree, not even the not even the width of a golf ball. And I'm trying to, you know, just squeeze it, take it by that tree with a little hook around it. And I pulled it and it hits that tree square and came back and hit me in the belt buckle. So needless to say, there was a two-stroke penalty there. But either way, it would have been a penalty because if it didn't hit me, it's going in the hazard behind me. Um, and I think I ended up making uh, a double or a triple on that hole. But I finished – I think I still finished top five. Might have finished third that week. But uh, that's one of you – know, growing up out here at Onion Creek, we had the legends of golf. And, you know, just being able to miss days of school, Wednesdays and Fridays, our dad always let us miss to go watch the Pro-Am and then the tournament on Friday. And what a treat that was. Um, you know, just be able to watch those guys being on the range. I always helped, helped out on the range, even though they didn't want me to. Um, and then the next thing I know, Chichi Rodriguez or Jackie Burke would be like, hey, come hit some balls out here. You know, and I finally got smart, started taking my own club. So I, you know, wasn't swinging something big and heavy, but uh you know, they'd give us little swing tips and little grip tips and stuff like that. And it was just, it was so much fun. And, you know, and that's not really crazy, but it was just a lot of fun and just great memories. I wish I could remember more of those days because, you know, I just, being so young, you don't think about it at the time. All right. Now, one of the last things here, there's a lot of controversy in regards to how you've made your bones these past couple of years and getting on to some tour events by uh, by being a lifetime PGA member, that uh, it's one of the, it's one of the perks of you know of your many years in the game of golf. Uh, mm-hmm. Where did this all start? Where did this all start? That there was some controversy in regards to uh, teaching PGA professionals that they're upset with you, pretty much beating them and uh, getting on to these tour events. Well, you know if. If I hadn't a one, it wouldn't have been such a big deal with, with a lot of them. Um, the, you know, I, I paid my dues for over 20 years, which allowed me to become a PJ of America life member, which, and now, and after those tour, yeah, after those 20 years to become a life member and to be able to play in the tournaments, I have to fill, fulfill what they call MSR credits or MSR points which is going to teaching seminars and our annual meetings and stuff like that to accrue those points. So I do that every year. I, you know, I get my points done. Um, uh, um, you know, so I'm based on everything that I've done, I'm totally within the rules, but because I'm not a working, I guess, working pro because some guys are teachers. Some guys are actually, especially up in the Northeast, they're, they're playing pros. They play with their members. They're not working in the shop that much. Uh, they're mostly there to go play rounds of golf with the members and, and you know, and entertain and stuff like that. Um, 
Yeah, you know, and it's it's kind of unfortunate. It used to bother me at, the, at first, um, and just and also because a couple of the guys that used to uh, kind of be upset with the fact, and I and they still are. They're just not as vocal anymore. Um, and I think the PGA of America actually may have kind of gotten on them a little bit uh, as well. At least I'm hoping they did. Um, but there was one former tour player that uh, just didn't like the fact he was a former tour player. Play only played a couple of years, but he worked in the golf shop and uh, he was in our section for a while. And I started playing in section events and I won a couple of tournaments, you know, early on and he and a couple of the other guys in the section raised a, a little bit of a stink about it and they were able to get the rules changed. And now nationally for future guys coming in from the same kind of position that I came in from, uh, they've changed the rules for future ones. So I'm grandfathered in the old rules. Um, but any new life member coming from being a former tour player now has to go through the business schooling and testing in order for, to uh, get the privileges to play. Um, you know, so, and I, I don't know if a lot of them realize that, but, you know, I'm grandfathered in, I, I've done everything by the book. I've, you know, I haven't cheated. I, you know, I fulfill my credits, my points. Um, and, uh, you know, I promote the game in in the way I know how to do it. I play in pro-ams, I play in fundraisers, you know, I give tips and, and a couple of lessons here and there and, and that type of thing. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it has been unfortunate that there have been those vocal guys and, but uh, they're not uh, not as bad. It's hadn't been as bad recently as it was at the start. Now, and I think that's the most important thing in, in speaking with a good amount of instructors and a good amount of PGA prof teaching professionals is that are you doing the right thing with this game? Because it's a great game. And right now it's a hot game right now. It's a hot commodity right there. Uh, yeah. And it seems like you're doing that. You are. You're a great ambassador. I know you are also ambassador for the Veteran Golfers Association, and uh, you know you're an ambassador for them. And uh, with yeah. my dad being a a Marine, and uh, you know being in a military family, it, uh, that's yeah. an organization that I really hold close to my heart. I had on the you 2019 know, National Champion uh, Coulter on the show. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. Great. Great guy. Um, I got. I had the opportunity to play with him. Um, good young player. Um, I think he was a little nervous when he played with me, so he didn't play all that great, but, uh, he, he can hit it out there pretty good. Um, but yeah, yeah, I met, uh, Josh Payton who started it. Uh, I actually met him at the pro-am at the Texas open down there in San Antonio. And, uh, he was, he was, uh, one of my playing partners and I introduced him to Tito's and he introduced me to the veterans golf association. So <laughs> <laughs> It's a perfect marriage, right? A perfect marriage. Yeah. And, oh, he and you know, now he's got a little, they got a little deal, you know, that Tito's helps them out and, you know, and stuff. So, um, you know, so that's been a good introduction. Um, but it's, you know, it's a great organization. I, they have 12,000, I think, or 11,000 plus members now. And last I heard, they hadn't lost any military, any, you know, vets to a suicide or anything like that you know so golf you know they got the golf tournaments to keep them give them something to do and to, to keep them positive and just keep on going yeah i had Coulter on the show and i, I try to do uh, as much as i can because my dad fought in vietnam and i do some work with the combat uh, veteran organization here in town it's called fairways for warriors and it's mm -hmm. for, you know, these, these are combat guys, guys who were in the thick of things, you know, or, yeah. you know, men and women. 
And I see how much of the game of golf has been so therapeutic for so many people. And so I really commend you on being an ambassador because, you know, you're in the limelight, whether it's for positive and negative at times, you know, yeah. you're in the limelight. And I know you've been a great ambassador for the VGA. And I thank you for being a great ambassador for the game of golf because uh, we need more guys like like you out there and you're doing it, especially yeah. for the state of Texas. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, just happy I can show some support for our, our military, uh, our vets and those who are serving now. It's, you know, if uh, if it weren't for them, we wouldn't be where we are now. That's for sure. I totally agree. Last question of the night. Who are you playing your last round on earth with? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean... Of all people, I would have loved to play with Ben Hogan. That would have been something special. But my last round, I would love to get out there with my, you know, kind of my my childhood best friend, Todd Harbor. Uh, one of my other best friends that passed away a few years ago, uh, Marco Martinez. And, um, you know, and I mean, can it be a 20-some instead of just a foursome? <laughs> it, it it's your last round. <laughs> it's your last round. As long as you pay the green fees for all of them, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Hogan would have been one I would have loved to have played with. Um, even, you know, Byron Nelson. You know, I got to, I had dinner one year with Sam Sneed at the Legends of Golf. Um, I was just a high school kid, but I was, you know, and then I played in the Pro-Am a couple of times and got paired with Lionel Abair and Roberto DeVicencio. So, yeah, I played with, uh, you know, I've played with Mr. Nicholas at the practice round in the 95 U.S. Open. I played with Mr. Palmer in a practice round in 97 at the Bay Hill Invitational. Um, you know, so I've played with some of the greats, and I've got to watch a lot of the greats play um, of the old times. So there's not too many of them, you know. So, you know, Ben Hogan would be first and foremost, along with uh, all my childhood buddies. So who would you say is the best player ever in golf? You've seen them all. You've played with them all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Tiger was pretty incredible. Um, but I still think Nicholas might have had might have him just by a little bit. He had a lot more second places in those in those majors that he didn't win. Um, and then Hogan. I mean, Ben Hogan especially to do what he did after his accident where he was barely able to walk and to be able to come back and dominate kind of like he did, you know, he played limited events and he, you know, mostly the majors and he was able to win, you know, quite a few of them. So I, you know, he was in my mind, he's, he's one of the best as well. Well, Omar, I appreciate your time tonight, especially working through some of the technical difficulties we had. Like I said, I'll be able to chop this up a little bit, make it look, uh, like nothing ever happened. I appreciate you so much for your time, brother. And uh, what's next, man? I want to know what's next for Omar Uresti. Um, have a little section event here in two weeks, a week and a half uh, over in Kerrville at Comanche Trace, um, playing in the senior division because uh, they, my section voted uh, me not able to play in the open age division, So, which is actually fine by me now because I don't want to play against <laughs> the kids, especially Carlos Sainz. Um, you know, Carlos has been dominating out there in, the, in our section. Um, and then 
after that, I'm actually going to go up to Wisconsin and hang out with a friend of mine, uh, Jack Gaudian, used to be one of the head pros here at Onion Creek when I was in high school. He now owns four golf courses up there, and it's their member guest, so I'm going to go play up there for a few days. And then I'll come home, and we'll see what ha transpires. Um, slim chance I could get in the uh, Barbasol Championship up in Kentucky on the PGA Tour, or I can also maybe the Barracuda Championship up in Tahoe. So just waiting to see what happens there. And then next year I have six exemptions from winning the uh, the, the PGA Professional Championship. So on the PGA Tour, I wish I could use them on the Champions Tour, but uh, um, it's that's tough to do. So we'll see. I might have to make a phone call and see what they'll do for me if they might do that. I don't, <laughs> I don't need to be. I don't need to be competing against the kids and I'll give, I'd give up three of the exemptions just to play three and on the champions tour. Well, Hey, Omar, hit me up, man. When you come in, Kerrville's just, Kerrville's about 30 minutes, 30 minutes up the road from me. I live right off of I-10, man. So I'd yeah, love cool. to go out there and, and check it out, man. We'll have to hook up with my buddy, Anthony Rodriguez down there and go play some golf. A-Rod, uh, right? man. You, okay. You know what, A-Rod, we're, we're so close to getting him on the show, but he's always hunting, he's always fishing, he's always golfing. I'm like, I'm like, you know what, dude, like, like you're living a good life, dude. He is, he is. He, uh, he actually asked me to play in a um, little partnership up in Sonora next weekend, um, but I have my kids, so I can't get them, uh, you know, I don't, I don't get to see my kids very often, so I need to hang out with them and, and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I actually, I played with Anthony in his very first PGA Tour event. Uh, and that was up in Denver at the International. It was, you know, the the um, Stableford tournament back then. And he uh, he made the cut. And I, I think I missed the cut. Uh, he made a great putt on the last hole to make the cut right on the number. And I think I missed the missed a putt and I missed by a point or something to make the cut. But yeah, he was he's such good talent. A lot of good golf in that guy. Oh, yeah, man. I can't wait to get him on the show as well. But hey, like I said, thanks so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy. And uh, thank you for everything that you do for the game of golf, especially here in Texas. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate All right, it. Have a good night. You too. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please visit my website, www.nothingobgolf.com. You can hit me up on different forms of social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Nothing is OB is my handle. Also, please check out my YouTube channel, Nothing is OB South Texas Golf Podcast. I'm on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud. Please click the subscribe button. You can leave a comment, rate, and review. It's how it helps me grow the podcast. I truly thank you for all your support. Remember, in the game of life, nothing is OB.